Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, together, book by book, chapter by chapter. We are, during this Holy Week, looking uh, at a little bit of a of different thing here. We're looking at these really particular psalms that are associated w- with some of these uh, days, especially for today, for Monday, Thursday. We've got Psalm 116, and I don't even know what verse to highlight out of this, <laughs> out of this psalm. And this psalm has got everything, you know. Um, you've got like, you know, verse three that the snares of death encompass me, the pangs of shell laid hold of me. You've got you've got some of those like really, you know, just very you know, graphic, vivid moments, right? You've got um, just, I mean, these things that we have in our liturgy, like in the offertory. What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call in the name of the Lord. Um, associated with our communion liturgy, there's the big connection, right, uh, for Monday, Thursday. But other stuff, too, um, that you see in your funeral liturgy, uh, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, right? So a lot of stuff going on, and we just, we've just we got so many connections. Um, we're going to try today to pull all those together, pull all these loose threads together, and try to take a look, too, at, you know, who is saying this in its original context? What what was happening first uh, with all this? Lots of good questions today. Beautiful psalm to be taking a look at from Monday, Thursday. And joining us, we've got Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor at Concordia Lutheran Church in... Now, hang on a second. Where is it in North Dakota, brother? It's uh, Jamestown. Jamestown. Jamestown, North Dakota. There you that's go. right. That's <laughs> right. Brother, it's so good. To, to have you with us, and, you know, just what a beautiful psalm for Monday, Thursday, right? Oh. Beautiful psalm for Monday, Thursday, and also during this time with the whole coronavirus thing, you know, people are, are scared, they're wondering, what, you know, what the future holds, and, and this psalm reminds us that, hey, we're secure in the Lord and His promises of salvation. It's very comforting. A- a- amen. Yeah, these psalms, they, they just, they, they sound a little bit different when you've got the stuff about the snares of death and the pangs of Sheol, and you just, it just, uh, it feels really real, um, right? Yes. You know, I, I think of, uh, you know, especially, you know, we, we mentioned the virus, you know, I, uh, many of our elderly people, because of, of you know, the, the fear of what this can do to the elderly, you know, the, the whole idea of this death thing is, is very real for them. It's like, what, yeah. what if I catch this? And, and, right. and, and this psalm reminds us that uh, not only does God, you know, uh, often deliver us from earthly trials, but, but he's ultimately delivered us from our greatest enemy, death itself, because... Uh, you know, one way or another, sooner or later, we all have to face death. Uh, but but in Christ, that enemy has been defeated. Well, y- yes, amen. And that's yet another connection that this psalm has, because, um, I mean, this is, I mean, the psalm that we have um, for Maundy Thursday, Holy Thursday, right? But uh, this psalm is also the psalm that we use uh, for the third Sunday of Easter every three years. Um, and, and I think it's because of just like what you were talking about, that especially, you know, in in, in some of the language here, I mean, just, I, I mean, kind of, well, I mean, we'll get there, right? But but there's there's a little bit of like a resurrection idea. Um, re, I mean, really, there is. I mean, like in, yeah. in the poetry here. So, um, so many good things. So glad that uh, you're with us today to do this. Let's turn to the text here as we get started. Would you say a prayer? Uh, for us and for 
everybody listening along for for this Holy Thursday and in the midst of everything else um, as we just turn to the word of the Lord and seek some peace and refuge in his voice. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and uh, especially on this Monday, Thursday, we think of uh, Christ at the Last Supper uh, preparing to go to the cross for us, and and how he offered the ultimate cup of salvation. Uh, This is my blood for you. And and so we thank you that that in the midst of a world, in the midst of this uh, recent crisis with the coronavirus, when when uh, uh, we're reminded that, that death is close to all of us, uh, that we're all very frail. Uh, we, we, we thank you so much that this psalm reminds us that not only are we forgiven uh, through the ultimate cup of salvation, uh, uh, the shed blood of Christ, but, but we, we have hope in the face of death itself. Uh, not even death can uh, separate us from uh, the eternal hope we have in Christ. As, as we say at the end of the creed, Lord, we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. Uh, so be with us now as we study this psalm and help us to rejoice in how it's ultimately fulfilled in your son and all that he's done for us. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. So taking a look at this psalm, you know what? I, I just it, it really just is so beautiful. And we're going to really, I think, when we get into this in detail, we're really going to want to try to pick it apart because it is just, I mean, there's just so much in here. So oh, before we do that, let, let's go ahead. I, I just want to read it all through once. Um, and then we can turn to the beginning because just right from the very beginning, there's something um, compared to most of the Psalms I think we've done this last year, something very unique um, about how this immediately starts. But we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. So here's the whole thing, though. Psalm 116 here in the English Standard Version. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call in the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maid servant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So, just, yeah, again, just so many good things. So many things, I think, just, uh, they, they ring a bell because they're part of liturgy. They're, they're, they're part of, like, verses that, 
that like we just we find uh you know you almost <laughs> i had a hard time almost not singing the offertory while i was uh going through that little thing you right. know it's like it's, there's, there's all this stuff um in here right and but but we we, we gotta really start at the beginning here because there's just a couple of things just right off the bat right uh the, and i think that the kind of first obvious thing that maybe you, you kind of you're looking and you're like hang on what, what's the obvious thing he's talking about well it's sort of the obvious thing that's not there there's no superscription which is right i mean it's not like uh i mean there's actually a good number of the psalms that are like that um, but among the ones that we've looked at so far for like the past year like most of them have had it but here no, no psalm of david no like you know to the choir master or something like that um and in fact a lot of these psalms in this section of the psalter don't have any superscription that like delineates one from the other because this is kind of a special section of the psalms right right yeah, it's, uh, well, especially Psalms 113 to 118, uh, you know, they're, they're known as the Hallel Psalms, uh, from the Hebrew to, to praise, to give thanks. And um, they were uniquely used, especially by Jesus' day, you know, the uh, Psalms 113 and 114 were used usually prior to the Passover uh, meal, and then the others, you know, afterwards. And so... Very likely, especially when the Gospels talk about, you know, uh, uh, when when the, the supper was ended and Jesus is heading for Gethsemane, it talks about them right. singing a hymn. And yep. very likely they were singing this psalm that you just read moments ago. And mm-hmm. so even though we don't know, you know, specifics about who wrote the psalm, uh, we do know that they were they were used uh, throughout the worship life of Israel and, and were in, in, in common use in Jesus' day. Right. And, and it's, um, you know, and that's something that maybe sounds familiar, maybe to some of our listeners, if you have ever been to like, what, like, you know, like a Passover Seder or, you know, kind of like one of those, um, some, sometimes we do that, like a kind of like Seder, uh, almost kind of like reenactment or like a kind of a, a Seder, maybe like before your Maundy Thursday service, right? Like, for instance, um, but, you know, and it's interesting, because it's, um, you, you always have to have the disclaimer of like, well, we don't know exactly like what that would have been like, right? We, we're not like 100% on like what sequence of, of Psalms like our Lord would have used like, you know, exactly, right? Or which one was the one that he's saying right, right before. I, I mean, we have good ideas, right? And, and the tradition right. of using um, 113 to 118, as you said, is very, very old, um, so that, that's, there's a lot, there's a lot, <clears throat> um, like to that, that lends credence to the idea, but, uh, you, you got this sequence, right? Um, it is, it is interesting that, um, as you said, like, it's all about this praise. I mean, like just, uh, you know, the Hallel again and again. And, um, and of course it's, it's not even just, you know, um, you know, Hallel, uh, but you know, it's, uh, the, the last words of each of these Psalms here is like in, in the Hebrew anyway, right? It's, you know hallelujah you know i mean it is like the word that we get you know when, when we you know say like hallelujah or alleluia right, um, right. and, and right. it's all over the place and and some of these you know like they're just kind of like um they just have it kind of like again and again and, and of course um it kind of just kind of ramps up in the psalms until you get um the ones that are just uh, kind of non-stop alleluias Absolutely. And I think what I love theologically about the first verse, too, is that um, I immediately think of from 1 John, where, where, uh, where he says, we love because 
he first loved us. And, and here we get, you know, I love the Lord because he has had, uh, he heard my voice and because he heard my pleas for mercy. And, and so, you know, any love, any praise we have for the Lord is the result of, of what he has done for us unconditionally uh, in his son. Well, yes. Okay. So that, yeah, it's a very interesting verse in the very beginning, right? Um, how it just, it, it launches into this idea. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's praise, but I mean, clearly it's um, definitely praise in, in the sense of thanksgiving that, that God has done this. And like you see it again and again in Psalm 116, as we've read, there's all this, um, you know, he's preserved me. He's, He's brought me up from when I was brought low. He rescued me from the distress and death and Sheol. I mean, I mean, so we're, we're thanking and we're praising um, God for what he's done here. So there, here's then the question, right? So, I mean, how how is this um, being used, you think, in that kind of original setting? Because you're, you're saying that this is the, 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 the section that's used, the Hillel, for, for Passover, right? So right. how does this sound in the context of celebrating Passover? Well, and again, there's different interpretations on this, but I think you can make a good argument for that there's a, a lot of allusions here to, to the Exodus itself. Uh, mm. And uh, e- even though this is done in the first person, I, rather than we, right. you know, uh, it, it's made very personal. It's, it's like, you know, boy, could, could we have come closer to death when, when you know, uh, uh, the Pharaoh was killing our, 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 our young boys and, and we were enslaved. And, and, um, and then at one point we were caught between, you know, the sea and, and Pharaoh's armies. And yet we have all this great uh, deliverance. Uh, from the Lord. And so, you know, they're they're remembering uh, uh, his past mercies as they would have done, you know, uh, uh, at the Passover, even if it was hundreds of years after the Exodus. During the Passover, they definitely remembered uh, God's uh, mighty acts of salvation during the Exodus. And so there's definitely uh, an allusion to this here. So even if the individual who wrote this psalm was not actually historically part of the Exodus. You know, that whole event is meant to be relived uh, during every Passover as though, hey, you know, uh, we, we were part of this, and, 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 right. and God, uh, you know, delivered us. Uh, even though we weren't there, you know, we still experience His, his salvation uh, in the present. Yeah, and, and I really, I mean, honestly, I, I really like the idea of that, that like, you know, yeah, even though like it wasn't like me, like personally, individually, right? I mean, like God rescued me from Pharaoh, right? He brought me up out of uh, up out of the Red Sea, right? I mean, us, right? right. I mean, it's um, it, this is, I mean, I mean, I, I sometimes like tell people, you know, like th- there's a little bit of a danger with the way that we often speak these days, where we talk about like all the stuff that like we, the church, have been through, right? But then right. we talk about like they like the Jews or something, right? As if like we're two different groups or something, which is just not the way that the apostles talked, right? I mean, like it was like, no, like this is, that that was us, right? Um, And this is even like more direct because as you were saying, it's that, it's that I language. And I mean, isn't that just interesting too that, I mean, like the way, the way I, I, the way I see this, is that like this is this I language that's like Israel speaking with one voice, right? I mean, because yeah. I mean, again, like Israel is the name of a was originally the name of a person, an individual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but then that individual name is like the collective personality 
of an entire people. So it's like us all together saying, I love the Lord, meaning like we as this one person that God has made us into um, love the Lord, which um, of course, like for us, it's like just even, I mean, it's just, it's even great, more greatly fulfilled in the idea of baptism, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, another, and we have to be careful we don't push this too far, but I think you can make a very good argument that, that, you know, Jesus is ultimately Israel reduced to one. And, yeah. and and this psalm can be reflected of him. I mean, it, it, go, going through the pangs of death and Sheol on the cross, and then, like you said, uh, in, in the language of verse 9, he, he ended up walking before the Lord in the land of the living. He, he conquered death. And um, I find it interesting, too, that even at Jesus' transfiguration, you know, in, in, in Luke's version of that, you, you, you have Moses and Eliza talking about Jesus in, in the original Greek. The word is exodus, uh, his Yeah, exodus. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so already you get this picture that, that uh, Jesus, uh, uh, through the Passover uh, 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 and his journey to the cross, this is his, his exodus, whereby by he leads us uh, out of an even greater slavery, the, the slavery of sin. Uh, uh, he delivers us from that and brings us in, into, you know, God's eternal kingdom. So the, I think there's, there, there's a lot of that, uh, that that could be impact here in this psalm. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there is this really interesting way of, you know, this is a, uh, it kind of reminds me of like the idea of like the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer, right? Where, I mean, it's called the Lord's Prayer because um, it, it, well, the Lord taught us the prayer, right? But like that on a on a certain level, it's sort of like it, it's almost like this is like the prayer that rightfully belongs to him. Right. And it's kind of like we we get to pray it uh, along with him. And, and it's, it's sort of I kind of get that feeling a little bit like with this where it's like it, you almost just hear like this is this is like what the Lord Jesus is saying, because it's like really ultimately it describes him best more than anybody else, um, not any of us individually speaking. But we get to, through baptism, kind of speak it along with him, right? I mean, this is kind of like the idea that C.S. Lewis used, right? That it's like, you know, all this language belongs to like the true son of God. And we're not, you know, sons of God in that, you know, kind of only begotten sense. But we get to almost the way that Lewis puts it in, in mere Christianity. Is it's like we're kind of playing dress up or make believe. And we're getting to like kind of pretend to be Jesus as we as we speak these words. And as we do so... Um, through the power of baptism, we're actually made into sons of God. And and so you, you have this, I mean, like, of course, as we're saying, it's both old and new. You've got the Old Testament idea of Israel is uh, God's son, right? Like who he rescues, right? He's the firstborn son that he rescued up out of Egypt, and that's why he struck down Egypt um, and, and its firstborn, right? Because he was rescuing his own. Uh, but then ultimately, you have this fulfillment. So when we when we see this language and this I language, you know, it's like that's there's a lot to that already um, that we can't just like overlook and just kind of kind of in, in this very superficial way say just kind of like oh yeah, you know, it's like you know some some guy was writing a poem like about himself and his experience. It's like well, there's right. there's kind of a lot to that. Well, one verse especially that stands out to me, uh, I'll just mention it while I'm thinking about it. But verse 16, you know, O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You know, uh, two things that stick out to me there. I, I find it very interesting since we're, we're talking about how this is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. 
you know, the, the whole servant language makes me think of Isaiah 53, you know, sure. the servant of the Lord. And then I just find it interesting because very often in the Old Testament, you know, uh, people tend to, to, to identify themselves as the son of a, 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 of a they, they reference their father, you know, Abraham, yeah. Isaac, Jacob. Here they mentioned the maidservant. And I, I can't yeah. help but think that this is a veiled reference to, to the maidservant, you know, uh, the Virgin Mary who bore the Son of God in her womb. You know, yeah. and, uh, um, you know, so I, I, I think, you know, uh, we can't make too much of this, but I, I can't help but think about that. You know, why doesn't he mention uh, his father here? He, he mentions this maidservant. And uh, I can't yeah. help but think, you know, this is ultimately fulfilled in, in uh, the virgin birth. So. Well, yeah, no, that that that's there's a lot. I I I like what you're saying because I I think that that is very striking as as you're saying the way he puts that, um, and and I think it is connected also just that 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 servant language that you do get in Isaiah. And so if we if we recall together here, um, you know, in Isaiah there was this servant language. We talked about how th- there are actually still even there these two levels, and of course how. Yes, like yeah. there's the ultimate fulfillment in Christ as the suffering servant, but there there was a way that it made sense even actually in this in the ancient context. And what was that? Well, we saw it was about return from exile in particular, and that there was this sense where collectively together the remnant was this one corporate personality, the servant of God that had suffered so much, right? Like right. had suffered seventy years of exile. Um, and was coming back, was being brought back into the promised land. And, e- and even though, right, um, not everybody had been exiled, there was this sense on which it was like, well, it's not like the people who got spared and who didn't get deported uh, were any better off or were less sinful. Um, in, in, right. in this sense, um, the people who were exiled kind of took the punishment that everybody deserved, but it landed squarely on them. So the, you had already there this prefigurement Right of our Lord's sacrificial and atoning work, and uh, I, I think maybe that helps us make sense of verse sixteen a little bit. If we're going to go ahead and just skip ahead, we, that's okay. It's cool. We can make the connection, <laughs> right? Because you're coming back from exile, right? And you're speaking as this one voice, this one person, right? Who has come, the servant who has come back out of this situation here. And as we saw in Ezra, one of the big, uh, you know, critical moments is like this whole issue with like, um, I mean, the foreign wives if we recall that in Ezra and um, this whole question of like, Hey hey guys, so are we actually going to be like, you know, Hebrew and like Judites here, like the people of God, or are we just going to, you know, forget that whole thing. And we're going to basically just blend literally, you know, with the uh, Babylonians and everybody else. And so it's interesting because, you know, as many people are familiar with today, um, there's even to this day, a sense of Jewish reckoning where it's, it's a question of like, well, who's your mama, right? I mean, like, is, is, right. is your mother, is your mother a Jew, right? Because that's what, what counts. And so uh, it does, I feel like actually it's another one of the actually many uh, little hints we have throughout. This is, this is talking about the post exile um, return and perhaps even the big celebration of Passover um, that was celebrated in the newly rebuilt temple, looking back as the restored servant people of God. Um, so, and, and I think that that, I mean, actually far, far from like detracting from the interpretation that it refers to the Lord Jesus actually amplifies it because now you take into account how the Lord fulfills the return from exile also is my thought. 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I agree with you, you know, there was that period where, you know, Israel, after the exile, sadly, there were some who were intermarrying with, with foreign women. But the issue was always, it was never about a, an, an ethnic issue. It was right. that, that they worshipped false gods. Because it's yeah. interesting, when you look at the genealogies in the Gospels, especially yep. Matthew, he goes out of his way to mention, hey, there's some Gentile blood in here. Oh, yeah, but, that's but, right. But the issue is that, you know, the, the maidservant here is is faithful, faithful to the Lord. And, yes. and uh, of course, we get that ultimately, you know, in the Virgin Mary, you know, yeah. Lord, I, I am your servant. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, I, I love your point here, you know, there, there, there's the, the temporal fulfillment, and, the, and then the ultimate fulfillment in Christ and what he's done for us. Right. Well, and, and I think that the idea, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's the, the faithfulness, right? You know, and of course, like, uh, you know, uh, Mary, the mother of our Lord, just like, I mean, the image of a faithful response there, right? When she, you know, says like, you know, here I am, it be to me as, as you have said. Um, I mean, it, and I think that's actually helping us understand what the word love here is. Um, because we've said this yeah. before that we, we psychologize stuff too much. The, the word love in Hebrew is, is, is an alliance word. This is like a whose side are you on? word right like who uh, and uh, and that's really the question it's not about as you were saying like blood ethnicity per se it's you know like whose side are you on and so yeah you know your mother could be ruth of moab or rahab of jericho but the thing is whose side are they on right And, and they they very clearly right in um you know in joshua or in ruth said and made it very clear whose side they were on Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, and so and I think that you see that even then, like in, in the Lord Jesus, actually, that, you know, you've got this idea that, you know, just he seems to be marching to the beat of nobody else's drum. You know, everyone wants to recruit him to their own cause, to their own vision. But he is just only on the side and on the cause of the kingdom of heaven and the will of his father. Yes, absolutely. Well, all right. So we. We looked at two verses. That's pretty good. <laughs> but, but let's, okay, well, we're at the, we'll have to pick up the pace. But this is very good because I think we've kind of laid the groundwork here. And I think actually those two verses we looked at just kind of framed this pretty well. But let's take our break here. Everybody hang with us. We're looking at Psalm 116 for Monday Thursday here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 116 for Maundy Thursday. We're just having a really good discussion here, just about all the connections here. You know, this this is this psalm of um, reflection, this moment of, you know, celebrating the Passover again, finally, in the restored temple there, having returned from exile, but but speaking, of course, to how the Lord Jesus is the fulfillment of the exodus and the return from exile and ultimately right like that exile we're gonna talk about this um 
foreshadowing and prefiguring his death and resurrection. We're joined today by Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. And yes, so we just looked at, well, verses 1 and verses 16 here. So now we're going to go a little bit faster. <laughs> uh, so, and, and so, and, and because, you know, I, I have just a feeling that there's just so, so, so much in here. I'm just going to go ahead and just say this now. Thank you, Lutheran Heritage Foundation, for your support and your underwriting of us. Um, so good, it just in these troubled times, as we were talking about a little bit on the first half hour here, um, just that we have you guys uh, helping uh, to make this happen, as, as so many have uh, been isolated and are re relying on things like KFUO to, to be able to, to you know, gather around virtually the Word of God, uh, their website, lhfmissions.org. All right, so, okay, turning back to the text here, so let's go ahead and just take a look again. And so the beginning, we just looked at verse one, talked about, you know, loving the Lord and, and, and this and the, the reasons for it, right? Um, so two, three, and four now, um, they really make the, the idea more uh, more vivid. There is this, you know, uh, the snares of death, the pangs of shale, suffer distress and anguish, right? And then this calling on the name of the Lord. It... Um, it it, it really speaks to all three situations that we've just been talking about here. Like you can see how yeah. this, this definitely works for if you're, uh, you know, in slavery in Egypt, right. Mm -hmm. and, and how, you know, the people were calling out to the name of the Lord. I mean, that's how Exodus starts out, right. That like God is hearing the, the anguish, right. The cries of his people. Um, and, you know, Exodus is saying, Hey, look, God did not forget his people. He did something about it. So I mean, it speaks to that. It speaks to, you know, like when they were crossing the Red Sea, like when they returned from yeah. exile. And of course, as we know from Hebrews, um, ultimately, even though it seemed like the Lord Jesus was abandoned in Gethsemane and on Golgotha, um, the, Lord, the Lord's prayers were not actually ignored, but the Father answered them. Yes. Yeah, well, even, you know, it's interesting when Jesus predicts his upcoming death in the Gospels, he, he makes sure to mention, and by the way, then three days later, I'm going to uh, rise again. <laughs> so Jesus knew all along that he would ultimately be delivered, even though he would be suffering our judgment and damnation on the cross, even though he would be, for a time, forsaken by his Father, uh, he would not be ultimately. You know, uh, Jesus, uh, after he says, pays the sacrifice, you know, then, then there is that victory cry, it is finished. And, you know, Father, into right. your hands I commend my spirit. And so, you know, uh, God, the Father, is ultimately faithful in delivering and vindicating his Son. Right, right. So, yeah, the, the prayer is is not unanswered, which is just so instructive to us, right, especially going through troubled times, that it feels sometimes like God is just ignoring us, right? Uh, but just just because we don't see something immediately doesn't actually mean that the, the prayer has been ignored, right? I mean, the Lord Jesus, right, was allowed to die on that cross right. before the prayer was, um, you know, visibly and obviously answered, right? So, I mean, the same sorts of things that, you know, God God's hearing all these prayers um, and they they will be answered um, yeah. ultimately, right? But it's, it's just... And that's why you know, I think it's so important to, to, to see the, the both end here. You know, certainly God does often rescue us from trials during this life. You know, he's merciful in that way. But, but as we mentioned earlier, we all have to ultimately face death. And just as our Lord right. really and literally died on that cross... We all have to one day literally 
<laughs> die. But 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 that's not the end either. You know, we, we, we say this in the creed every Sunday, you know, we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. So so yes, God has done something about our ultimate enemy death and, and we have that victory in Jesus. Well, and that just really flows very nicely into this next section here that, I mean, this speaks of then just how God is um, just so gracious and how he, he does not abandon us and how we are confident that he does respond, um, not just respond, but respond um, graciously and generously to our prayers. That's the, the thought here in 5, 6, and 7. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. I, I mean, just uh, it's an interesting little bit here in, in verse 7 because it's um, it's it's kind of the, the I think it's like the one moment here really where, um, I, I mean, I think you kind of have it arguably in verse 12 a little bit too, but like it's like you're kind of like speaking to yourself. It's a little bit of an introspective moment right return all my soul to your rest you know it's like i mean i kind of think it kind of speaks to the the existential um struggle like that you're describing you know that like th there is this moment where we kind of have to f we find ourselves kind of talking to ourselves and saying like like you know like uh, i mean i mean i'm kind of literally oh my god like is this really happening is could this really be it is it is that what really is going on here right like reality check right. But, but the reality check is, I mean, God's grace is his bounty, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, that's that's where it is in the end. It's like we're just, all eyes have to just turn um, to the only source of goodness. Absolutely. It's, it's, and it's not just mere, you know, pop psychology, you know, I'm going to think positive thoughts. It's, it's, it's be at rest on my soul because God is your refuge. You, 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 God is literally, um, you know, uh, surrounding you with his promises. Uh, so this isn't just, you know, self-help talk. It's, it's, it's be at rest because God is your refuge and strength. It, it's all about him and what he's done for us. Well, yeah, and it's also, too, like this, uh, it's this return word that we see again and again, right? I mean, it's go back to your rest, right? I mean, like, because that's the thing. It's like we're, we're given this rest in Christ, right? I mean, in, in the word, in the sacraments, right? But we, uh, I mean, our soul wanders away from it and we get all, like, worked up and scared. I mean, but, but the, it's, you know, hey, go back to that. It's, it's never gone, you know? It just reminds me of the way that Luther talks about baptism that like yeah. hey you know your, your baptism it's like it's like a boat and it, it can be shipwrecked and like all you know just tattered and in pieces right on the shore but like the thing is 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 you know like damaged as it as it may appear to be you can always actually get back in that thing um it's always it's always there you to, to go back into it and um like the way that like for instance uh uh, Luther, or even actually the way that Erasmus even talked about prayer, that it's like a, it's like a fortress, you know, that, that you can always go back to a fortress where like the devil cannot reach you, right? Because you're in the palm of God's hand. You can always go back to that. Like, don't, don't leave it, you know, like, but, but if you do, it's there still. Yeah. And I think we get that, especially in the coming verses, you know, not only, um, you know, being, we get the language again of being delivered from death and, and walking in the land of the living, but especially uh, verse 10, which, which, by the way, the Apostle Paul quotes 
in Second uh, Corinthians four. You know, I believed, therefore I've spoken. And uh, and you know, sometimes in the translations, it's, it's translated, I believe, therefore I s- said, I'm greatly afflicted. Or in this case, even when I spoke, I'm greatly afflicted. But the, the point here is simply this: because we have faith. We, we can be honest about the hell we're going through, you know, rather mm-hmm. than trying to pretend that things oh, really aren't that bad and we sugarcoat things. Uh, we, we, can, we can be honest about uh, the horrors we're facing and yet say, but even in the midst of this, I'm secure. You know, are things bad? Yes, they're horrible. But even in this, it's kind of like King David, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, you're with yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate that point. And, and we can go ahead and, and jump ahead at, at 10 and 11 and look at that. So, I mean, you just you just read verse 10 for us. I believed even when I spoke, I'm greatly afflicted. And, and then 11, I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Um, it is like this very, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so striking because it is this very realistic um, sentiment, right? It's like, you know, like you were saying, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Mankind is a bunch of liars, I mean, nobody is honest. No one's honest with themselves. You know, I mean, like the whole enterprise is just built on deception and self-deception. And yet, right, it's this, I believed, you know, even when this was going on, right? I mean, like that's um, I, I, one of my favorite, this is, this, this is, just feels like a, a confession now. Um, one of my favorite songs right now is, um, <clears throat> from frozen Two, you know that song from like olaf right the snowman uh he has this like uh, <laughs> this song because you know just you know as the parents right you hear these songs way too many times um and, and it's like you know this will all make sense when i am older you know and, and he's like the, the whole song is just like you know he's all this scary stuff is happening but he's like oh yeah someday this will all make sense and like you know at the end he's like oh this is fine you know i mean like and he's just trying to you know tell himself like oh it's okay it's just perfectly normal you know um but it's it's i mean so the genius of the song is it's it's so humorously obvious that it's not all okay it's not ever going to make sense when you're older uh but i mean this it's uh i mean i I like it because it kind of pokes fun at that that it's just like no like the kind of the kind of like kind of self-help and like, this is all fine. Like it's, that's not going to get you anywhere. Cause if you, if you go down that route, you're kind of joining the rest of mankind about lying to yourself and being a liar. I mean, exactly. the, 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 the alternative, the, the real alternative is looking at it um, kind of with all its, you know, warts and all and all its ugliness, but, but believing anyway. Yes. And, you know, I, you know, a good example, another example, I, I hear this a lot, sadly, as, as a pastor, but, you know, I've been to some funerals where it's like, well, you know, death, it's just a natural part of life. You know, you, you don't really have to be scared of it. No, as Christians, we, we the gospel frees us to be honest about the fact that death is horrible. It, it's the wages of mm. sin. It's not what God intended for this world. We should be scared of death. But in the midst of death in Christ, we, we have this certain hope. Like Paul could say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And, and, and so it helps us to, on the one hand, to be honest, death is horrible. It's the result of our sin. And yet in Christ, we have been delivered from it. Right. Well, and I, and I think that like, and I think this really speaks then to the nature of faith. And I think that, well, I mean, of course you brought up that this does get uh, cited in Second Corinthians uh, chapter four, this idea of well, I mean, I mean, in there, it's connected to this idea of like because you believe that's that's why you speak, right? Right. Like, and that's and that's why we like you know confess that Jesus is Lord, and of course, that very big deal for Paul to be saying that you know that 
that saying Jesus is Lord, like that's what outed you as a Christian um, and, that, and potentially put you in a lot of danger, um, which is really which is really striking. And it, it's also striking, though, too, when you look at the Hebrew here, the other way of taking this in verse 10 is, I trusted, um, I believed, because I said, right? And actually take this the other way around, uh, which I think is is actually kind of a really interesting way to take it too. I think you can kind of see it both ways here because the idea is it's like, hey, look, um, because I, I was saying I am greatly afflicted because, right, I was saying like, you know, this is, I, I'm alarmed and I'm distressed and all mankind are liars, right? Um, be, because that was my state, well, I like, the only thing I could do was believe, right? I mean, it's like, exactly. in, in some ways, the, the opportunity to have faith and to have believe, believe like true, like uh, belief in this sense, right? It's like, it's not there um, if, if you can just see everything clearly and there's no darkness around you, right? I mean, it's like, the, you, like faith kind of gets real and the rubber hits the road <laughs> um, in the midst of all the distractions and all of the, the things vying for your, for your attention and, and your hope, right? And faith shines brightest in the midst of this darkness, right? I mean, that, there's there's right. the Lord's like, you know, you're the light of the world idea, right? right. I mean, so in some ways, I, I think it's it's just kind of cool. You can see this both ways, how it's like, you, you, you know, it's faith because you know what? Even when this was all going on, um, what did somehow God move me to do? Absolutely. And, and what I love about this, too, you know, since we've been comparing, you know, the truth of God's word with, you know, all mankind that, that lies, you know, when we talk about faith here in the midst of, of the darkness, it's not wishful thinking, but it, it, it's, it's trust in God's promises, his, his, his revelation that, that in the midst of death, that, that there, there is forgiveness and hope and life. And I think of Job, you know, if God himself slay me, yet will I trust in him. So, so it's not just a, uh, an assertion that, well, uh, even though things are horrible, I'm just going to believe it's all going to work out. But, but it's, it's, it's trust in a person. It's trust in the promise that a person has given us that, that makes this faith secure. Right. No, ex- exactly. It, it really, it really, it really is. It also goes back to this idea of this like kind of firm foundation and the one who, who really ultimately prayed this prayer rightly, right? That, you know, even as he was betrayed, our Lord, right, by Judas, even as he was, I mean, even betrayed in the sense of, of lying by, by Peter, right? Who said that he would never abandon him, right? That he was willing to die for him, you know, that he would never deny him, right? Um, you know, I mean, like he, he was really, I mean, just, just in so, in so many ways, right. I mean, like, um, the lies of the, the, the chief priests and the authorities, I mean, just, I mean, everybody's lies, right. Are what ultimately pierced the Lord Jesus in a lot of ways. Um, and, and yet, you know, he believed he had faith, right. Like even when he was saying, you know, if Lord, if it be your will, may this cup pass from me. I mean, it was it was in faith that he spoke all those words. And, and that really ties, um, it actually kind of makes sense. And to actually take a step back now, looking at verses eight and nine that we kind of skipped over because I mean, how, how beautifully do these words then of course apply to the Lord Jesus, particularly as we mentioned, like that you can see this as an Easter reading for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living I mean, this just sounds like what an answered prayer, like God answered the prayer of Gethsemane in Easter. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, 
And, uh, you know, as the psalm goes on, you know, uh, again, in verses 12 and 13, uh, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Well, first of all, you know, Luther makes the comment, well, we really can't give anything to God. There's nothing we can do to repay him. Right. All we can do is thank him for what he's done for us. And then this verse, I, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Now, in, in the historical context, you know, some yep. scholars think this is maybe referring to the like a drink offering that talk, is talked about in Numbers, or or possibly mm-hmm. one of the cups of the Passover. But but, but right. uh, we see this all ultimately fulfilled, as I mentioned earlier, in in you know uh, the, the cup of salvation that Jesus offers us in His Supper. You know, this is my blood for you, and uh, um, right. you know. So uh, how do we give thanks to the Lord by receiving His gifts and then living out those gifts in our life of worship? Right. Well, yeah, no, there's uh, yeah that, that cup language, right? We've seen this again and again, right? Just uh, there's so many things going on with it, right? That you've got like the, the cup of, of wrath, right? Um, contrasted oh. with like the cup of salvation, right? Um, that God, you know, pours out wrath and stupefaction on his enemies, but, but joy and gladness, right? You know, prefigured, of course, in the Lord's uh, miracle of turning water into wine. Um, but then, as you said, right, the idea of, um, you know, perhaps also this being tied specifically to a certain sequence in the, the you know, Passover Hallel that you've got your, your cup of salvation at one point. You've got, um, I mean, you know, Paul possibly makes reference to this when he says, you know, is not the, you know, is this not the cup of blessing that we bless, right? So is that another one of the cups, right? Um, right. And then ultimately seeing then that, that cup that we get when our Lord gives us the command of Maundy Thursday, you know, um, take, drink, do this in remembrance of me, that he's taking Passover, right? And he's, you know, filling it, taking this Passover cup, and he's filling it with something new, right? Like that it's it, it's the same old cup, right? But now it's, it, it's a, I mean, it's a totally new cup because it's got something totally different in it. It's got his blood it's got you know right. the, the medicine of eternal life and of course i mean just uh what a reflection too in the midst of a time when it's been difficult to be together just the importance of the sacrament and that yes it's a blessing that we're doing what we're doing today on kfuo and that we've been doing this and we're reading the bible and we're streaming our services right but like there is no going digital on on the sacrament and what a precious exactly. gift it is Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, that leads, uh, you know, to, to, to verse 15, uh, uh, often used, uh, like you said earlier in, in, at funerals, uh, precious in the sight of the Lord uh, is the death of his saints. And, and so, you know, uh, when we're going through these horrible times of darkness, that, that's when the devil wants us to think that God's abandoned us. But, but here we see that, that when we're going through these times of, of, of just terror and, and death itself seems to be ensnagling us. God is not distant. Uh, he, 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 is, he is right there with us, and, and we're precious to him. And, and he, as David said, you know, even though I'm going through this valley, the Lord is with me. Uh, so we're precious. The, the, those who believe in God, the, the, the simple-hearted who are poor in spirit and trust in Jesus, they're precious to the Lord even when uh, they're facing death itself. Well, yeah, and it's um, it's it's, it's interesting because I mean the way that you're you're describing it, you know, that we are we are precious in God's sight. That's that's of course language that we see, you know, throughout scriptures. I mean, going going back to you know Exodus, like we were saying, this idea that 
you know, hey, this is God's precious. Even he calls you know, firstborn son. Israel's my firstborn, right? I'm not just going to let you keep him in slavery forever. Um, you know, right. going to like you think of the, the Lord's parables, like uh, of the, the the pearl of great price and things like that. You know, like just sell everything and buy this pearl, or like you know, just um, we're just going to just buy the whole plot of land because we know that there's this precious treasure somewhere in there, right? And so we're just going to make sure we get it. Um, so there's, a, there's that idea of being precious in God's sight, but isn't it just, um, I mean, what, a, what an interesting way of putting it, precious is, in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, right? Like, and, and the guy would admit, like, there have been different times when I've heard that, um, and it sounds, I mean, of course, very striking at a funeral, where you're just sort of like, what, right. is that? what does it mean to say that this death is precious, right? I mean, like, I mean, I mean you don't like the idea that, like I don't know, like the, the the death of his saints, like 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 it pleases him, or God's like, oh yeah, you know this this was a really good death. Like I don't know, like the way that somebody talks about like a really good death scene in a movie or something like that, right? I mean, it's like, well, so I mean, what what is he getting at? It's it's interesting to compare if you look at um your your footnote in the in the ESV. There's a comparison to Psalm 72, where it says from oppression and violence he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight <laughs> I, I feel like that kind of makes a little bit more um sense of it it's like this idea is like hey you know what like your blood is meaningful to him it's precious to him and, and so what's it say in verse 14 well so he's gonna redeem you because he doesn't he doesn't like that idea that your blood's just gonna be spilled right um like you know just like the blood of abel just like you know calling out from the ground Right. Like right. in this uh, moment of injustice, it's like, you know, like your 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 life is precious um, and he's not just going to just let that happen willy nilly. Right. Like and so it's like your death is precious in the sense of like um, God is constantly preventing it. He's he's con I mean, like your death is like around the corner constantly because of everything right. going on in the world. And God is constantly putting it off he's he's constantly like extending our lives and and ultimately right it, it's he's gonna as it says in psalm 72 um gonna redeem us even from death because god it, his love is so great he just does not want to let that stand exactly you know and, and this is just one of and this is a whole different subject but this is one of many examples where you know i believe the psalms and other parts of the old testament do definitely talk about you know the resurrection and eternal life because it's common you know in some liberal circles well in the old testament they thought you died and that was it but but no there's all of this talk about no death itself has been defeated or or even, i even right. think of king david you know i'm going to i'm going to dwell in the house of the lord forever you know, and and so here, you know, uh, the, the the very fact that that God wants to destroy death itself—it's not something that He wants to 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 be the end, the last word. Uh, the last word is right. that we walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Right. Well, you know, no, that, yeah, that's right. And I and I do think I, I totally agree with you that like you see all this resurrection stuff prefigured and 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 even um, like kind of I mean, yeah, they're, they're starting to like articulate this. I mean, I mean, I think that the point is good that it's not like you have everything spelled out like crystal clear in the Old Testament, not by any means, right? It's uh, the, the whole idea of resurrection was kind of, I think, something that was, you know, gradually kind of like, okay, we can kind of put this into words. I mean, similarly to how like the apostles, right, didn't just, you know, immediately have like the Nicene Creed on their lips. It took them some time right, to work right. that out and to like process it and put it into words, right? But 
Um, yeah, but you do see that here that it's like the confidence that would finally articulate itself, right, in, in our creed is already here. Um, I mean, the kernel yeah. is there, right? It's just it hasn't been, you know, hasn't fully, uh, you know, germinated and, and, and bloomed yet, right? Um, just maybe just like a minute left here. Um, so in the last section here, you got this repetition, you know, I'll, I'll pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, uh, offer you the sacrifice of Thanksgiving, call in the name of the Lord, this language of uh, our offertory, right? But, but then the, the last the last closing bit, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in, in the, your midst, O Jerusalem, how interesting and just fits the idea of returning from exile. Here's the temple again, right? Um, and, and that's why we're getting to celebrate the Passover. And this just brings us back to what you said, right? When this applies to the Lord Jesus and he makes this prediction about, hey, in three days, he compares himself to the temple. So just uh, like 30 seconds here, but um, your concluding thoughts here. Yes, you know, even though this all obviously has some historical reference, you know, to God's people at various times in history, you know, uh, to see this ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, as as you said, he he is the temple itself. You think of his statement in in John chapter two: "Destroy this temple, and I'll raise it again in three days." And and so the psalm is ultimately fulfilled in Christ, and then uh, he he brings us into it uh, when he calls us to. Uh, uh, repentance and faith in him, uh, the victory of this psalm becomes ours in Jesus. Amen. Just like the return to exiles, it's because the temple has been restored that we get to celebrate the Passover. What what a beautiful connection. Thank you so much, brother, walking us through this. I mean, just what an amazing psalm. So much good stuff in your uh, 116. Um, God's blessings on the rest of your Holy Week and your Easter celebration. Yes, you as well. Thank you, brother. Everybody, I was Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor at Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Uh, hey, keep, keep looking, uh, checking out these podcasts and these episodes we got going for you during Holy Week. We got another really good psalm for Good Friday um, and also coming up for Easter. Until then, everybody, Pastor A.J. Espinosa, peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.